on this episode of Why Watch That. What are you up to, sir? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know what Tim is thinking. I, I just want to have a, a one minute conversation, not even five, one minute. Just say, what are you thinking at this moment? And I'll at understand. This moment. <laughs> and we could just, it could be like a DVD commentary, you know, just like. <laughs> We're across the other pond. <laughs> we're we're kind of catty quarter down um, to Portugal. Catty quarter. Whoa. Hey. <laughs> now, is it true that what he's doing is what she doesn't like, mm. or is it that she just doesn't want to fall in love with an android? With an android. <laughs> Her ex-husband. I won't tell you why he's an ex-husband. That part, I was kind of like, are we really doing this again? Oh, boy. Stop. Come on. We can do something else with this. There is no festival without Kira Knightley. Like, literally, (laughs) I don't think I've ever been to a festival where Kira Knightley... Why Watch That as a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome Welcome to to Why Watch Watch That. Critic? Yes. Critic! What? Have you heard? We just got a buy me a coffee page. Uh (laughs) What's that? Boy, come on. It's a place where listeners can support our work for as little as $5. $5. Pretty much the price of a coffee. I don't drink no coffee. What you talking about? Well, you don't drink anything but water <laughs> and eat raw potatoes. But <laughs> I guess they can buy you a popcorn. How about that? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> well, everyone, look, visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash why watch that to support our work or purchase our valuable resources. Yeah, you know what? We just added the TV trackers to help you curate a collection of shows you'll love to watch. So find this and more ways to support us at buymeacoffee.com forward slash why watch that. So Critic, are you going to buy me a coffee? Maybe. The Why Watch That Talk. Listeners, we have concluded our second tip adventure oh Oh my goodness now listen the film festival since the pandemic they have been really interesting last year especially because many of them had canceled or really streamlined who they would allow to do this virtually however this year namely sundance namely south by southwest tribeca all the way through tiff allowed for pretty good access of the movies. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I was very, very much impressed at the access they allowed us to have. Now, here's the question. We are in a pandemic still, unfortunately. That did stifle some of the content that was coming out, but I feel like we're coming through a resurgence and TIFF is a good indicator along with Cannes, if you will. Those two festivals and Sundance, but really Con and Tiff mm-hmm. really give us a highlight of what we're going to be sniffing out during the award season and what kind of season we're going to have if we're going to do like last year where it was very heady and very small and you had something like Nomadland to take it all home during the Oscars. Well, 
TIF is a good indicator of where we're moving. So here's the question. How did it all pan out? Did we enjoy TIF this year? How was the experience? What were some of the highlights? We are going to go over the tail end of TIF. Ooh, yay. Yay. All right, let's start with first things first, and that's a new movie called Sundown. Ooh, sun ain't coming up on this one, I'll tell you that. I don't think so. This is directed by Michael Franco, or Mikel Franco, and Tim Roth. Mm. Yeah. Tim Roth is one of those actors where you go, what are you up to, sir? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know what Tim is thinking. I, I just want to have a, a one-minute conversation, not even five, one minute, to say, what are you thinking at this moment? And I'll at understand. At this moment. <laughs> and we could just, it could be like a DVD commentary, you know, just like, <laughs> just pause it. Um, uh, Izua uh, Larios, I'm so sorry about that. And Charlotte Gainsborg also stars in this. Now, Mr. Franco also wrote it. So we have a writer-director here. We've got Tim Roth. There's an interest. It's Tiff. What is happening with Sundown? Oh, my goodness. And it runs. Look at the runtime, Ref. An I hour, saw that. minutes. It's in Spanish and English. What is really happening here? Well, yeah, because they're like in Mexico on vacation. So Tim and Charlotte play siblings. Now, at first, you're like, are they married? Because they're there with Charlotte's characters, teenage children, a son and a daughter, and they are on vacay. Now, Tim's character, he, his name is Neil. Um, Neil is, you know, cool with the family, but he's a bit aloof. Pleasant, but aloof. But aloof, okay. You know, things happen and he kind of chuckles or he says, oh, you're an idiot and smiles. But he's kind of on his own. And what happens is his sister gets a call. A tragedy has happened. They've got to leave. They've got to go back home. Everybody get your stuff. Let's go. Sister's in a shambles. He's the same. Why? They get to the airport. And he goes, oh. Well, not even the, oh, he just says, I left my passport. You go ahead. Oh. You know, mm. she's like, no, 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 we'll wait, wait, you know, let's get, and he's like, no, you go ahead, take the kids. I'll meet you later. I'll get a later flight. So he walks out of the airport and goes, where is the question? Is he missing his passport? If so, was it on purpose? Is he not missing the passport? Where he ends up? How did he get there? What's going on with him? Why does he seem to be so disconnected? Now, as he is alone in Mexico, he is, you know, meeting the locals. Now, it's Tim Roth alone. Yeah. On vacation. <laughs> what could happen? <laughs> it's Tim Roth. <laughs> <laughs> so this unspools throughout this 84-minute runtime. Now, I won't give anything else away because you need to watch to see where it's going. It's that oh, kind of rats. I know. Mm -hmm. But it's not a thriller. But there are things that happen and unfold. It does it in a dramatic way. Okay. So it is a lot of watching Tim not saying much. Things happen to him and how does he respond? He doesn't really respond in a way that I don't respond. 
okay. If someone takes your luggage, how do you respond? You know. So, and the question is, what's going to happen with his family when they actually figure out what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Now, the from the beginning, watching this, I was going, something's up. Just something is up. You have that feeling. Um, was it always, could it have been edited a hair? Maybe they could have shaved off two or five minutes, even more. But I was always with Tim. Mm. I was always interested in what he was up to. I wanted to know. And when it's revealed, because you have different emotions about his character. I know a lot of people will. A lot of people will go, he's terrible. What's wrong with this man? When you figure things out, it complicates all of that. So by Mm. the end, your emotional state will be complicated like his and his family's. So this is the kind of thing, if you want to see a dramatic reveal, so it is not thriller-like, then sundown is for you. Interesting. We don't know when exactly that's going to be coming out, but I'm sure you'll be able to catch it not too far in the distance. So Seven Prisoners, that is coming out on Netflix this November. So that is pretty soon. And again, Netflix, you have to watch out for that because you don't know when stuff is dropping. They'll just drop it and there it is. But this is something that, again, we are... um, not, we're across the other pond. <laughs> we're we're kind of catty quarter down um, to Portugal. Catty quarter, whoa! <laughs> hey, um, and again, a short runtime again. So you know, yep. we like that. This is directed by now. This is these are Portuguese um, artists. So I apologize in advance. Matter of fact, why don't you do? You, you might as well just. Alec, oh, you you know Spanish, not Portuguese. Yeah, I don't. So, uh, <laughs> Alexandra Morato, um, he is the director and also wrote it along with um, Tanya Montesso and or Mentasso. I don't, I, you know, again, I'm sorry, but the two of them wrote it. But the cast, you probably will not know, only because um, we unfortunately don't get a lot of Portuguese um, content in the mainstream. So I'm just going to say it's a wonderful, lovely cast. Yeah. There's this one person you would know, Rodrigo Santoro from the cast. He was in Lost. And oh, he yes, was in, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 And what, what, Love Actually, he was in that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, okay. And it's produced, by the way, by Fernando Moraes, who did City of God. Okay, that's why we're watching, huh? Yeah, so that's why I went, hmm, Netflix, he's producing what's going on here. This is what's happening. So we're in Brazil, we're in a rural area, and we meet a young man. He lives with his mother and his sisters. So he needs to bring money in for his family. His mother is doing backbreaking work, okay? Literally, like she, it's hard for her to bend over. He's like, sit down, you know, take care of yourself. So what happens is he has an opportunity. He knows somebody who says, hey, I'm going to take you into the city and you can work like at this junkyard and send money back. And just to prove that this is legit, here's some money to you, mom, his mother. Here you go. A lump sum. So he goes away in a van along with somebody from his same neighborhood and two other guys. And they end up at this warehouse and Rodrigo plays the guy who runs the junkyard, I should say. Mm-hmm. Now, the first thing he says to them is, okay, hand me your papers, all the stuff. And our trusty 
protagonist says to him, we're supposed to keep these on our person at all times. He goes, yeah, 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 this is paperwork. You know, I just need it. Uh, once somebody says that, you need to go, wait, what? <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. We're already breaking laws, but these guys need money. So they get put to work. How are they fed? Where are they housed? Now, when they first walk into where their uh, where their bunk is, essentially, there is like a gated door that locks. Mm. So what happens is, essentially, they become slaves. Oh, dear. You could even think of it as indentured servitude, almost. Because as they ask for, you know, more money and things like that, he's like, well, um, you got to pay for the food. You got to pay for your lodging. They're like, this wasn't a part of our agreement. Yeah. What are they going to do? They don't have any weapons, does he? Is he alone, Rodrigo's <laughs> character? And what about the guy that brought them there that was supposed to be their friend? <laughs> so over the course of the movie, the question is, can they figure a way out? Now, the title, as the ref said, is Seven Prisoners. I only talked about four. You did. The other three coming in. I won't tell you. And our trusty protagonist. What happens to him if he begins to prove himself as a good worker? Think again about how could it be that someone who knows them would drive them into this and drive away? Was he in this situation before? What's the real way out? Can you fight your way out? Or do you have to give in? And if you do, are you betraying the people who know you and appreciate you? Is it worth it, though? Remember, you got people back home. And speaking of that, sending money to them, to be able to send money to people, you have to know certain things about them, right? Where they live, what Mm. their names are. Think about that. Yeah. Complicated. Very. I'm going to tell you this about Seven Prisoners. It kept my attention. And that is more than I can say about most of the stuff I'm watching nowadays. These people, ref, we've been talking about it. These people nowadays have forgotten story. They've forgotten the viewer, us watching. All it is is a bunch of signals. That Mm -hmm. ain't this. I wanted to know what was going on with the protagonist. I wanted to know what he was going to decide. I was watching it. So I would say if... This is, if you like City of God, it is not like that. But I think that it is the same kind of quality of storytelling. Is it perfect? No. But I'm going to tell you, you're going to want to know what happens. And so this is the kind of thing you will watch on Netflix and go, oh, what? Oh, uh-uh, no. Mm. Okay. It's yeah. that kind of thing. And it's not too long, as we said. Subtitles? Yes. Yeah. All right. So careful with Netflix. They do have dubs sometimes. So I don't know oh, if you boy. want to venture to that. Oh, my gosh. Well, let's move on to I'm your man. I'm not your man because <laughs> I'm not a man. But the show is called I'm your man, the, the, the new movie. This is coming out on of uh, this Friday, actually. Um, and Bleecker Street is releasing it. Now, Bleecker Street is one of those... The, they're very interesting. I feel like the tier of indie is like A24 is really going to deliver. And then you've got like this weird neon bleaker street. Um, yes. Weird, you know, their they're, they're tier. They've got an interesting perspective. I'll just say this. Yes. And I'm Your Man smells interesting. It's, <laughs> it is directed by Maria 
uh, Schrader, and she is also one of the, the uh, screenwriters. Mm-hmm. But she wrote it with Jan Schomburg. So the two of them were able to get a cast, mainly Dan Stevens. So if you know Downton Abbey, Matthew. <laughs> Matthew. Yes. Well, we won't say what happened in case you never watched um, Downton Abbey, but some people haven't. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Maren Eggert and, um, you know, along with, you know, other wonderful people. This is... Now, Dan is British. Mm-hmm. This is a German-based yes. film. Completely German. There's a reason why Dan is British. <laughs> because... <laughs> Well, I'll let you tell the story because I'm your man is not exactly accurate or maybe it is. Yes, yes. Well hinted, my friend. And just so you know, everybody, Maria, who, like the ref said, directed it and co-wrote it, is an actor. She was in the Deutschland series. Yeah, yeah. So that's important to know. Because when you have actors directing, they get certain performances out of their actors. So before I get to that, here's the premise. There is a woman, she's like an archeologist or something. She's studying cuneiform, okay? And she is requisitioned Mm. to test out a certain new product. Her boss is in on it. Her boss is like, look, you're the one who has to do it. Everybody else who works here, okay, we are either married or in a relationship, you're single, you're the one. Why? Mm. Well, in the beginning of the movie, you see her like on a date with Dan Stevens' character. Hmm. And, you know, he's very suave and all of that. But something happens. You go, what? What just happened? He's (laughs) whisked out of the movie, literally. Why? I'm not going to tell you. But I will tell you this. Dan is playing an android. And he was made particularly to be the man of our cuneiform expert. Hmm. Okay, so her name is Alma and Dan's name in the movie is Tom. Mm -hmm. Now, Alma is not a fan of this concept at all. She's like, no, I I really shouldn't be doing this. But they're testing this out and they're going to different kinds of experts to get their feedback. That's the point of this. So she's supposed to be with him for like three weeks and He's an android, so he's going to learn. So he was already pre-programmed to be her man. But everything he does, she's like, that doesn't work on me. That doesn't work. And he's computing. <laughs> okay. She's like, try this. Why don't you do something that's not out of, you know, all those millions of searches that you did? Okay. Now, is it true that what he's doing is what she doesn't like? Mm. Or is it that she just doesn't want to fall in love? With an android. With an android. <laughs> Now, the question is, does the android have feelings? Okay. Does he sleep? Does he eat? You'll see. You'll find out. Now, there is an interesting thing, Ref, which you wouldn't know because you haven't seen it, but where the android, where Tom talks about, because she asks him why he has a certain accent in German. Yes. So it's like he's speaking in German. Dan Stevens, all German. Nice. All German. But they they do a little wink at that, which I thought was hilarious. So in the end, the question is, do they grow to be connected? Or is Alma just a bit too much for any android or person to be able to fall in love? Here's what I have to say about I'm your man. 
it actually lived up to the concept and it did it in a subtly surprising way in a funny and sweet sort of way as well so i just wanted to like be with the movie reading subtitles and all i mean watching dan playing android was just so much fun it was just a lot of fun because sometimes he looks at sometimes he doesn't and it's just great like the decisions they made and i talked about maria as an actor you could tell that she was thinking that way thinking about how to come up with this and i'm sure she and dan had a lot of discussions oh, yeah. about how to bring this guy to life and then you see other people respond to him and think he's a real human and then what does alma think like that's the kind of thing that's going on here and i also think that the way their relationship evolved was well executed across the movie so if you want an offbeat rom-com very offbeat yes very offbeat but not as offbeat as you might think Hmm. Um, it gives you those surprises, but you'll still get that kind of feeling as well. Um, you just have a woman who's disagreeable. That's just what she is. She's like, I don't want to be here, which is interesting as well. So if you're interested in that, everybody, I'm your man, I think is going to surprise a lot of people. Well, it certainly will do that. Are you an Android critic? I wish because it would be so much easier. I mean, he 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 figures something out that helps her. I mean, she may not have liked it. You'll see what that is. If I mm. can do that, it might be worth it. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's take a look at The Good House. Now, when I saw the poster of this, I was pretty excited because these two particular actors, whoa. But yeah. before we get there, this is uh, coming to us. It is not, we don't know how. It's going to come to everyone else. But this is directed by Maya Forbes and uh, Wallace Wolodarsky. Mm. Wolodarsky. Yeah. Now, consequently, they both wrote it along with Thomas Bazooka. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just an interesting last name. But as I was hinting, the cast. Hello, Sigourney Weaver. Hello, Kevin Klein. Where's Kevin been? I know. Jeez, I feel like he's he's becoming like um, Daniel Day-Lewis. He'll just <laughs> pop up if he wants to. And uh, Marina uh, Baccarin is also in this. Now, listen. Anytime you have Sigourney Weaver mm. paired with the likes of a Kevin Klein, yeah. it's going to go one or two ways. It's either going to be, whoa, brilliant. Holy crap, I can't believe it. Or maybe they weren't well taken care of. And uh, I hope it's the former. Yeah. And this is set in New England. So Kevin's doing the New England. He's really <laughs> of doing Of course it. he is. I mean, but Kevin Klein is great at dialect. Like that is one of his just top. He's a skills. Shakespearean act. I mean, yeah. He's just... Yeah. I mean, when I was in acting school, my dialect teacher talked about him, you know, as an example. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he he pulls that off. Just so you know, everybody, Morena, if you're thinking, who in the world is that? She was Brody's wife in Homeland. Mm. Okay. Um, now, Sigourney plays a real estate agent. Get the title, The Good House. Mm-hmm. And her name ends in good. <laughs> okay. So that's her uh-huh. last name. Ah, Oh, so are they playing around with this? The good house and her last name's good? Of course they are. What does this mean? And her first name is Hildy. So Hildy, we see in the opening of this movie, 
is taking people around, you know, like a real estate agent does and describing homes. But she also talks directly to us. Direct to Ooh, Breaking okay. that fourth wall. There we go. And she knows her real estate. But she tells us she used to be the number one real estate in the area. Real estate agent in the area. Why? Why is it the used to be? Now, Kevin Klein plays a guy who has a lot of businesses. One of them is a construction business in the area. He has a property that, you know, Hildy's like, uh, put it on the market. I can sell it. Thanks. It's kind of cantankerous between the two of them, especially mm-hmm. from Hildy's side. From Kevin Klein's character side, his name is Frank. He's kind of like, huh. <laughs> whatever. What is going on? What's the history mm-hmm. between the two of them? Now, as we move forward, we figured out that Hildy has some problems. Uh That's why she's no longer on top. Now, one of the superficial problems is her assistant who doesn't know how to assist. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Who tell you that? (laughs) Like who called? I I don't know. Oh, oh, your your daughter. Which one? Never mind. I'll figure it out. See, that's the thing with her. That's how Hildy handles her. So we find out who the number one agent is now. And is someone connected to Hildy's past? Is Uh-oh. Hildy happy about that? No. Also, by the way, Beverly D'Angelo is in this cast. She shows up as somebody who used to have a lot of good fun with Hildy and no longer does. What in the world does that mean? And over the course of the movie, we figure out what Hildy's problem is. Mm-hmm. Her family, her friends were very concerned about her. Her ex-husband, I won't tell you why he's an ex-husband. That part, I was kind of like, are we really doing this again? No, oh, boy. Stop. Come on. We can do something else with this. Um, so in the end, the question is, can we trust everything we've heard from Hildy? Does she really have it all together? Is she good? And can she find a good house to sell and put herself back on top? Hmm. And we also see how she, Hildy, and Frank what they're really about. Okay. Is Frank a good guy? I won't tell you. Mm. Now, for the good house, it's when I was watching it from the beginning, Raph, I was kind of like, okay, this is Sigourney Weaver doing something that we've seen lately from Diane Keaton and Meryl Streep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but it's with a bite. It's with a bite. She's talking to camera. You know, she's kind of just, you know, floating her way through, but she'll tell you the truth and then keep going. There's an edge, though, to it. That's the change. And the facade crumbles by the end. Mm. So it does turn dramatic. But when it does, I don't know if it was quite as successful. Oh, dang it. Now, I mean, Sigourney Weaver and Kevin Klein, it's it. You you know, they're going to do whatever can be done with the script. Yeah, And I think when it was lighter, that's when it was better. Uh, When it gets heavier, it just wasn't quite supportive enough. But I think because this one, Raph, I started watching with my mother, which was hilarious. And she was like, oh, this looks good. It's that kind of thing. Yeah. So if this is your kind of movie, like I said, you've been watching Diane Keaton and Meryl Streep of late. You'll be fine with The Good House. All right. Yeah. Well, Jingle Bells, Batman Smells, Robin laid an egg. Well, this is definitely not that, but it Bat- does. Mobile lost its wheel and the Joker got away. 
got away. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. <laughs> Silent Night, which is coming to us not in November, not in October, December, rightfully so, on AMC Plus, and also in the theater. So you know you don't have to venture out if you don't want to get in the cold. But it is on December 3rd. So you're going to have to wait. So we're going to wet your whistle a little bit with this one. This is coming to us from Camille Griffin. Griffin, And she wrote it and directed it. But the question is, who's this cast? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Kira Knightley. Now, there is no festival without Kira Knightley. Like, literally, <laughs> I don't think I've ever been to a festival where without Kira Kira. Knightley didn't premiere a movie. <laughs> Just saying. But... If you're going to have Kira Knightley, you might as well have Matthew Good yeah. <laughs> as well. Mm. And um, Griffin Davis, uh, Roman Griffin Davis, excuse me, Annabelle Wallace, you know, Lily Rose Depp. I mean, you, we could just go on and on. Lucy Punch. These people we know. Yeah. And this is coming to us, of course, from the UK. I mean, duh. Duh. The question is, you know, guys, it's the UK. It's a Christmas movie. Are they trying to do something like another Christmas movie by packing the cast? Mm. You know, that little Christmas movie that hardly anyone watches during Christmas. I think it's called Love, actually. I don't know. Oh, hmm. Yeah, and all of its ilk. I mean, we've had how many of these movies? (laughs) Right. With the family stone and all of that stuff. Now, this is a Christmas movie that you might go, is this the one for Christmas? <laughs> uh, that Silent Night title might be literal. Oh, dear. Now, Kira and Matthew are a married couple. They have three kids, their older son and two twin sons. And they're having family and friends over for the holidays. Okay, so they're all coming. They're coming with their husbands and so on and their wives and girlfriends and whatever else. Now, we get to, of course, meet all of these different personalities. Of course, something happens before everybody arrives at the house. You've seen these Christmas. Typical, typical. Typical, yeah. typical stuff. And then, of course, we start to figure out there's friction among and between certain people. Now, overriding all of this, though, is an impending cataclysm. I won't tell you what that is. So you might be watching from the beginning going, okay, why is this so urgent? There's a reason. Mm. There's a big reason. I'm not going to tell you what that is. But in the end, what is going to create the silence is the question. And do we have time to hash out everything, to say I love you and all of that before the silence. Oh, dear. Comes. Is this the prequel to A Quiet Place? I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Are you that far off? I don't know. No. Oh, <laughs> I don't oh, know. Okay. I don't know. Right. I can't tell you. But do they even have this in the description? I hope not. But they do this kind of stuff, which they shouldn't. Yeah, they kind of do. Don't read the description now. Oh, I didn't read it. Oh, dear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, here's what I have to say. I love Kira Knightley. You know this, Ref. You know that I absolutely you love You actually Kira. have been a steady fan over the de- decades. Yeah. Love her. Matthew Good. I love Matthew Good. 
Why not? And the rest of this cast, great. They got the little boy from Jojo Rabbit. Why not? Yes. But if you're going to do awkward comedy to make it entertaining, there is a rhythm. This was sluggish. It was flat. A couple, and I mean literally two, of the dramatic moments worked. Why did they work? Because they were immediate and meaningful for the characters. The first time you really understand what they're in for, worked. Mm. They're on a phone call with the, the mother, the grandmother of their kids. She wasn't able to join them. Huh. That landed and another moment landed toward the end. Because again, it was immediate and meaningful for the characters. The other dramatic moments overdone for me. Unfortunately, I have to say, the premise is better than the execution. Oh, bummer. Yeah. Well, that is what that is. Yes. And, but it's coming out on the 3rd of December. If you want something different, I guess, perhaps. maybe. Oh, it's out. a different Christmas movie once you get down to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's end this because we've had a good run with TIFF this year. And we're very, very grateful and thankful that they continue to include us. And we are excited to report back to everyone. Let's end it with one second. Hmm. No, no, that's, a, that's the name of the, the film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One second. Now, this is in Mandarin. And I know that you're studying Mandarin. Mm. So why don't you tell us who directed it, who wrote it, who's starring in it. Tell us all about it. But I want to say first, this is coming to us from Neon. So there is going to be, remember what we talked about, Bleaker Street yes. Neon? There's going to be a perspective. Uh, Yeah. Now, this perspective is coming to us from director and co-screenwriter Jong Imo. Oh, look at that. Now, Jong directed, and you know this movie, House of Flying Daggers. Okay. Okay. But it ain't House of Flying Daggers. I'll tell you that. So if you're thinking, oh, okay, we're going to have, you know, some epic fights. No. But you might have some lesser fights. How <laughs> it that way? So along with Zhang Imo, uh, Zhou Jingzhi wrote that screenplay. Nice. Now the cast is Fan Wei, Liu Hao Kun, and Zhang Yi. Now with all of that Mandarin butchered, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> what this is about. So it's like... We're in the past. It's during the end of the Cultural Revolution in China. Okay. And one of the things that brought people together and was allowed to bring them together was film, was cinema, was going to the movie theater. And this is a time, everybody, when they had the literal film, you know, the spool of film. You had to transport it from town to town or what they call different units. What unit are you from? First unit, second unit. So we meet a character who slinks in on camera. Oh, slinking. After the movie has been shown, he goes up to the projectionist. He says, hey, did you show the newsreel? He goes, yeah. He's like, oh, well, I need to see that. He's like, well, essentially, you need to go to the next town. Now, this man is very intent on seeing this newsreel. Why? And while he's hanging out, plotting his next steps, he sees a young orphan girl whom we come to find as an orphan. She sneaks in, steals the film. What? He chases her. 
Now, by the way, they're in a desert area as well. So Chase might go into the sand. Chase is her for this film. And he gets it back. She steals it back. They're all over the place. They end up on a road in the desert. They get picked up by a guy. And there's this whole scene where he is like, stop, because he gets into the, the truck first. Stop. She stole the film. Gets her in. Grabs her, puts her into the truck. She tells the driver something about him. They're saying lies, but this driver goes with each of them. How dare you? You're a terrible person. Because he's like, this is my daughter. And she's like, he was a terrible father. Okay. So what, what's the outcome of that, that ride? Well, remember, they keep one-upping each other. Now, when they finally make it to the next town, a tragedy has happened to the film that made it there. Because by the way, when they were on the road, the, the guy was on his little motorbike taking the film. So of course, our protagonist tries to stop it and go, hey, she stole some of your film, dummy. He's like, I can't stop if I do the whole thing will break down. The whole, the whole bike. So they finally make it to the next town. And the projectionist comes upon them, I won't tell you how, and finds that they have the film, the two of them. Now, how can the two of them have this film together? Where are they? In what situation? And what do they think is going to happen? So they've got to explain themselves to this protectionist because he's like, look, I'm going to go to the authorities. Because this film is important. The people on this film are more important than you. Okay. And I'm the protectionist. I have a sterling reputation and nothing is going to besmirch it. Ooh. Now, the, again, our protagonist, the main thing he wants is to see this newsreel. That's the whole point. Why? Why? You will find out. I won't give it away. Oh, you never do. So the question is, does this film actually get shown? Because I told you something happened to the film. Okay. And if it is shown, does our trusty sort of hero, does he get to see it? And at what cost? Also, what are the motivations of all three characters I mentioned? The man who needs to see the newsreel, the projectionist, and the orphan girl. It's more than meets the eye. Mm. They each have a strong reason to be connected to this particular film or to film in general. Now, they're calling this like, uh, you know, uh, Jong Emo's love letter to cinema. Because all of these people love cinema in a way. And you're seeing a bunch of people who want to gather together and go to the theater. So, you mm. know, at this time, that has extra resonance. What I have to say about it is this, everybody. What Johnny Mo has done is taking old school techniques and applied them to this movie. So if you're like maybe 50s, 60s Asian cinema, those kinds of techniques, of course, polished. I mean, Johnny Mo, he is an auteur. That's yeah. who he is. So it's lovingly old school. Even the physicality when they fight, it's that kind of thing. It's not what we would, the fluidity we would expect now. It's almost like Marx Brothers-esque in a, a mm. bit. It's that kind of thing. But it's executed so beautifully. So if you're the kind of person that watches TCM, you like those movies, oh, you'll be in heaven here. Also, that role of film, the urgency of it, 
from these three characters. That kept me going. Also, the positions of power, the way they dealt with that, I thought was great. And the revelations were nice. This is the kind of movie I started. I was like, okay, this is nice. I don't really need to finish it, but I can keep watching it. But the more you watch it, the more you're like, oh, let me see what's going to happen. Let me go with it. And you kind of get swept up in the old school feel. So I think especially now, this kind of movie stands out because it is a throwback that is well done. Again, if you are a Turner Classic movie kind of person, one second. Well, there you have that. Listen, Tiff, you've been good to us. And we are excited to see, you know, some of these films hit all of your TV screens or theaters. And you'll have to let us know, did we get it right? Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea. And we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.